0: Section 22 of The Lion's Brood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rutherford Osborne. The Lion's Brood by Duffield Osborne. Section 22 Freedom the morning air of the seplasia reeked with perfumes more even than was its wont for carthaginian and capuan revellers had been carousing there and several of the shops had been broken open the gutters streamed wine with which were mingled all the essences of india and asia flowers withered and soaked with coarser odors than their own floated on the pools and drifted down the rivulets. Inert bodies, drunk to repletion, lay scattered about, helpless, unable to drink consciously, but absorbing the wasted liquor through every pore. A dead citizen, his head crushed in by a single blow, sprawled hideously in the middle of the street, while his murderer, a gigantic Gaul, was embracing the corpse with maudlin affection and whispering in its ear to arise and guide him back to camp those who passed from time to time paused to join the soldiers comrades in laughter and rude jests and suggestions of new methods of awakening his friend and now down the street extending from wall to wall came a line of young men their faces flushed their garments disordered or cast aside And their brows crowned with what had once been chaplets of roses. Three or four courtesans, with gowns and tunics torn from their white shoulders, were being dragged along, half laughing, half resisting, and wholly possessed by bacchic frenzy. In front of the company marched a slender youth with dark, curling hair and delicate features. In his hand was a thyrsus and his eyes blazed with the madness of the wine. Evoui! Evoui! he shouted. Comrades! Bacchantes! There is no water in Capua to mix with wine, equal mixture for poets and fools, undiluted wine for victors and lovers. Parola is a good Carthaginian today, shouted one of his fellows. Behold how Bacchus has answered our prayers. Kiss him, Cluvia, for a reward. Pushed forward, the courtesan fell upon the young man's neck, almost bearing him to the street and overwhelming him with drunken caresses. A moment later he freed himself from her arms. What is Roman beauty to our Capuan? he hiccoughed. Marcia, Cluvia, all are one. All are women and we are Capuans, braver than Romans, wiser than Carthaginians. Listen, friends, when my father rules Italy, you shall all be kings and queens. Evwe, Ev'ui! Shouts and shrieks of drunken joy greeted his words. Several sought to embrace him, and staggering back, he stumbled over the Gaul and the dead Capuan where they sprawled in the street. Mingled laughter and Curses rose all around. Blows and kisses were given and received, and the mad company rolled on through the Saplasia and into the Forum. Here, too, were intoxication and debauchery, but they were restrained within some manner of bounds. The fact that grave events were taking place seemed to exert a sobering influence on the populace, and they gathered in a dense throng around the Senate House whence ominous rumors pursued each other in quick succession. The Senate was in session. Hannibal was before them. Decius Magius had been arrested at his demand. So ran the talk. Guards of Carthaginian soldiery were posted at several points, but especially at all the entrances to the chamber in which the fathers of the city discussed or obeyed and against these lines the waves of the rabble surged and broke and receded men offered the soldiers money for free passage or news women offered them kisses for money and the soldiers took both and gave nothing but jeers and blows Perola and his drunken company had but just poured out to swell the tide of this ocean of popular passion when a commotion of a different character began at the other end of the forum The closed door of the senate house swung open, and a man in the garb of a senator, but chained and shackled, issued forth and stood on the steps beneath the porch. Surrounded by a guard of Africans, it was fully a moment before the mob recognized Decius Magius, the partisan of Rome. Then a chorus of howls and curses rose up, insults were hurled the grossest that the minds of a licentious rabble could suggest fists were shaken women spat towards the prisoner even a few stones were cast and when one of these happened to strike an african of the guard he turned quietly and cut down the nearest citizen then with their heavy javelins so held as to be used either as spears or clubs the soldiers descended into the forum and with the captive in their midst began their progress toward the street and gate that led to the Carthaginian camp. There was no weak delay in this progress, no requests for passage. The escort clove through the mass of the people as a war galley dashes through the breakers of a turbulent sea. A spray of human beings that strove to escape but could not boiled up about the prow. A wake of bodies, writhing or senseless, fell behind the stern, while, at either side, the stout javelins rose and fell like the strokes of oars splashing up blood for foam. The taunts and threats that had assailed the prisoner died away amid shrieks of terror or pain and the deep rumble of the mob. Stupid with drink, drunk with the exaltation of ungoverned power, They wondered vaguely as they crushed back why their new friends should strike merely because they, the Capuan people, allies of Carthage, strove to punish a traitor and a common enemy. The prisoner's lips were seen moving as his captors hurried him along, but no speech from them could be heard until the form had been nearly traversed. Then, on the hushed born of surprise and efforts to escape blows the words of magius were audible at least to those nearest he was protesting against this violation of the treaty he was speaking of himself a capuan than whom no one was of higher rank being dragged in chains to the camp of an ally who had sworn that no carthaginian should have power over a citizen of capua at the mention of his rank malice and envy lent to some of the cowed rabble courage to jeer once more then he had asked how they expected that an ally so careless of recently sworn obligations would respect his vow that no capuan would be compelled to do military service against his will whereupon some of those who heard looked serious for this seemed reasonable and brought the possibility of evil unpleasantly home to them finally he congratulated them upon this marvellous new-found freedom which the carthaginian alliance had brought and which they had been celebrating so earnestly parola and his companions had found themselves crushed against the portico of the temple of hercules in which only the day before had been established also the worship of the Tyrian Melkarth, out of compliment to the new alliance. At first they had realized but little of what was going on before and around them. They had listened vacantly to crazy rumors of how the statue of Jupiter in the Senate House had bowed to Hannibal as he entered, and how the Senate had forthwith saluted him as a god and declared him the patron and protector of the city and, again, to other rumors even more wild of how the wives of all the Capuans had been decreed to be given to the Carthaginians, in return for which the women of Rome were to be surrendered to the Capuans by their victorious allies. When Decius Magius was let out in custody of the soldiers, Parola was trying to think whether, after all, he would not prefer Marcia to Cluvia then followed the passage to the crowded forum straight toward the exit beside the temple of hercules and parola found himself within a spear's length of his captive friend whose words of protest and warning fell upon his ears like molten lead and whose reproachful eyes gazed into his own piercing through them to his brain and dissipating the fumes of intoxication as sunlight melts the fog Decius had not spoken to him, for he was mindful that such speech might bring suspicion upon the younger man, but his look had said all that his tongue refrained from saying, and Parola realized his degradation and his shame. He started forward and cried out, I was mad, my father, mad, do you hear? It was because I knew suddenly that I loved her and that she would never love me. And then I rushed out and met others who were drinking, and we feasted and drank until I knew nothing. Pardon. Pardon. Suddenly he became conscious that Decius and his guards were gone. Had he heard his plea? Surely yes, for did not he, Perola, now hear his friend's eyes saying to him that he was but a fool who had added to folly? philosophy, and to both weakness, and to all, madness. He looked around at his companions. Some were gaping at him vacantly. Some were laughing. Cluvia tried to grasp his arm, and he shook her off and saw her stumble and roll down the steps that led up to the portico. Then a new commotion arose in the direction of the Senate House, and the attention of the bystanders was diverted. More Carthaginian soldiers were forming and marching through the mob that now opened to give passage of double width, and, as the escort came nearer, Parola saw Hannibal, clad in the gown of a Capuan senator, moving calmly in their midst. A new frenzy came to his brain to take the place of the fumes of wine. Perhaps it was one compounded of that and of shame and horror and revenge. He groped under his torn tunic and found his dagger, then, brandishing it, he burst down through the crowd, uttering incoherent words, and threw himself like a wild beast upon the guards. He had stabbed one through the throat and another in the shoulder before he was beaten down by a blow from the staff of a javelin. A moment later, the first soldier to recover from the surprise of the incident bent over him with drawn sword. A sharp exclamation from behind checked the descending thrust, and the soldier turned quickly. Hannibal stood beside him, with a thoughtful smile upon his lips. "'Would you kill a citizen of Capua, a man of our allies?' he said quietly. The African looked around stupidly. That he should not crush the Italian vermin forthwith was beyond his comprehension, Evidently, such was not the Chalichum's wish. Grumbling, he slipped his sword slowly back into its sheath, and, at that moment, several of the Capuan senators in Hannibal's train gathered round him with protestations and expressions of regret. The general looked at them and frowned. I have been with you scarcely two days, he said, and now you try to murder me the senators fell upon their knees kissing his gown and hands in a frenzy of horror at the thought who is this fellow asked hannibal turning parola over with his foot then recognizing the son of Pacuvius calavius he went on some one of no consequence doubtless dust of the street that stings when the wind drives it and he glared around at the prostrate senators They glanced at the senseless figure, as if hardly daring so much. Some knew him, more did not, but all united in protesting their ignorance. Hannibal viewed them with drooping lids, and the smile returned to his lips. Parola stirred slightly. Again, he addressed the Capuans, raising his voice somewhat so that the crowd might hear, What is your law for the punishment of such a crime? those who had not recognized the assassin cried out, Death! Others, divided between the more powerful enmity of Hannibal and the slower revenge of Calavius, made their lips move but were silent, hoping to escape notice in the shout of the others. A few of these were envious of the young man's father. More feared him. Hannibal noted their confusion and came to their relief. But perhaps so wicked a man is not a capuan after all it is difficult to believe that the gods would suffer such impiety to lurk in a city so beloved as yours and if no one knows him a chorus of disclaimers snatched at the proffered evasion and the smile on hannibal's lips grew more subtle as he said in that case the treaty does not stand, and you, my fathers, are relieved from the burden of his trial and punishment. I am still free to condemn an ally of Rome. Let your rods and axe do their office. The senators were standing now, and several of them winced and looked frightened at the swift result of their complaisance. One even gathered courage to say, When is it my lord's will that punishment fall? Hannibal eyed him closely for a moment. "'Here, in your forum, and now,' he said, provided you would give prompt warning to such vermin. The Capuan shifted uneasily and looked down. Several of the soldiers had already lifted Parola to his feet, and holding him upright, had torn away what remained of his garments. Others sent for the executioners, and in a moment— These appeared with the instruments of their calling. It was doubtful whether the prisoner had recovered full consciousness when the first rod fell upon his shoulders, but he groaned and writhed slightly in the grasp of the four soldiers who held him extended upon the pavement. Then Hannibal turned away, ordering one of his officers to remain and see the end. He signed to the Capuans to follow him. Such jackals, my fathers, are not worthy that men of rank and wealth should watch them die, he said lightly. The rabble will provide him with sufficient audience. And the senators, with awed and thoughtful faces, followed in the train of the Captain General of Carthage. End of section twenty two.